Hello, this is Pastor Raymond Rivers, and you're listening to the Bible Beacon Podcast, where we seek to share the scriptures that will brighten your day and show you the way that God would have you to walk. We're so thankful and glad and honored that you have tuned in today. Uh, You'll be listening to a message today that I preached recently at our home church at the Gospel Light Free Will Baptist Church in Calera, Alabama, on the subject, A Unified Church. We hope that you will enjoy the message Thank you for tuning in. I see um, a lot of angles, you know, from how this message can go. Not so much how to preach it or what to preach, but how it can be taken. For, For instance, we've got visitors from one church. I, I trust that this will be a challenge and encouragement to you, a motivation for you to go back to your local church, but at the same time realizing that your church is part of this church, which is a part of his church, and uh, that's what it's all about. Everybody understand. But at the same time, I hope people that are watching this either on Facebook or listening to it on a podcast, that uh, they will receive uh, the same blessing and take it. And if they live in the clear Alabama area, they'll come here and apply it. Okay, You'll understand in just a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's look at verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? By the way, folks, I know the Bible was written 2,000 years ago, but that looks like 2020 to me. Somebody understand? He goes on to say, verse 4, For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. Even the man at his greatest popularity is still just a servant. And we need to wake up to that reality. There is no room for rock stars in the pulpit. And by that, I mean... Sometimes pastors come in and people are oohing and on over them. Let me tell you something. I don't care what background they're from. The fact is, it's Jesus that we're here to worship. Somebody understand. He says, I have planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Man, what an honor to be a co-worker, co-laborer with the Lord God Almighty. He wants to use me. He wants me on His team. But you know, a lot of times... If we're not careful, we try to get ahead of the coach. We try to do it, you know, in our plans and not the master designer. The fact is things have got to change and we've got to be a unified church. I'm talking about the body of Christ needs to be unified. Our local church needs to be uh, unified. And and I, I want to explain all what I mean. And I'm 
maybe it'll take a little extra time and just explain, as Ricky Ricardo would say, explain it, if you know what I'm saying. And so we're going to be uh, talking about that tonight. But let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I ask you today, Lord, to help this preacher. Lord, I ask you that you would help me to say what needs to be said, nothing more, nothing less. Lord, I pray that you would be glorified and that people would be edified and encouraged in the Lord. And I pray that you would help your church to be one. Lord, I realize that you called us to be separate. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to understand that. But Lord, help us to be the church, uh, Lord, the body of Christ that you call us to be. Lord, we'll praise you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the church has its enemies. Would anybody agree? The devil and his list of cohorts have come against him, or come against us, rather, the church, and that they desire to see the church destroyed, and the devil's going to do all that he can to destroy the church. Does everybody understand? How do you know that, Brother Raymond? First Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Don't know if you remember that I keep on preaching that because a lion roars when he's hungry. And let me tell you something, Satan is roaring today, seeking whom he may devour. But the Bible tells us that the church will rise triumphant only in the power of the Holy Spirit of God and in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen, all right? But then there are false teachers though that have crept into the church and are leading people astray. Uh, that scares me. We see so much stuff creeping into the church now that they're denied Jesus as the Son of God. They're denied Jesus that He was sinless. They're denying that uh, that uh, Jesus was, uh, they're saying that He was just a spirit and not a man. I mean, they're denying all kinds of things. And that is not just being preached or taught on outside the church. That's happening on inside the church. And as a pastor, yes, I'm responsible for what I allow to be taught in this church or, or preached and, and my friends, we must be ever diligent because Jude understood this. He tells us in verses 3 and 4 of Jude, of course there's only one chapter, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. I'm going to tell you something. We need to contend like we've never contended before. Can somebody say Amen. Uh, for the faith which was once or once and for all delivered unto the saints. Why? Verse 4, For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. If you deny Jesus, you have no Christianity. Amen? You have no salvation. So the church is under attack Again, not only from the outside, but also from the inside. These false teachers are leading their churches to doctrines and associations that are evil and definitely and clearly not of God. They are becoming part of this world. Everybody, listen, young people. There is no room for a church, a Christian church, a Bible-preaching fundamental church to be worldly. That's not popular. I understand that there are different cultures and I realize that your church may look a little different than mine and this and that and the other. And that's, I understand all of that. But when it comes to this book, there is no room for compromise if we're going to be what God has called us to be. Somebody understand? 
And, you know, a lot of times people say, well, Brother Raymond, if you'll preach like that, you'll never be popular. Okay, I've never been called to be popular. I have been called to be faithful. And I believe with all of my heart that we need to rise up and be the church. Yes, I believe the church is to be separate. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And listen, we are to be separate. However, I realize that there's a difference between separation and isolation. You know, listen, folks, we got to go to them. Not saying we got to go visit the bars and all that kind of stuff, but we need to reach lost people. How in the world can they believe that God loves them if God's people doesn't love them? Somebody understand. The Bible says that uh, there's, there's a difference, but that's for another sermon. If you'll come back, I'll preach that one to you, okay? All right. I understand that there are many that believe that the churches need to learn to get along. Would anybody say amen? I believe that. But at the same time, we don't need to be in this point of divisive. Now, we can't throw away doctrine for the sake of fellowship. Right. And, I, and I'm not necessarily talking about just a denominational distinctive. I'm talking about Bible doctrine. And by the way, young buddy, you're going to understand this, that you're going to hear people say that horrible statement. Correct them when you can, Okay. That statement is, doctrine doesn't matter. Doctrine does matter. It does matter what you believe. Okay. Now, if we're not careful, the local church can stray away uh, from the truth and a pastor must be cautious about what he reads, what people he associates with, because the fact is, even though we need to be a unified church, we need to make sure what is unified together. Somebody understand. Now, the Bible clearly teaches us that prophetically that there is coming a one world church and that is not good. There's a church that is the seed that will follow the Antichrist. We learn about that in Revelation uh, chapter 13. And this will also lead to a what? One world currency, one world economy, and a one world government. That's all later on. And we don't have to worry about that if we're following the Lord, okay? And I'm thankful for it. But as you can tell from our message, I'm preaching on a unified church. But don't misunderstand and confuse a unified church with a one world church. I'm not talking about a one world church. I'm talking about a church that is unified. I'm talking about a local church that's unified in its doctrine, its worship, its service, its holiness, its fellowship, its commitment, and all of these things. That's what I'm talking about. That's what the Bible is talking about. Now, I preached this. I preached a little bit more on the, the racial tensions and all that this morning. But as I began to prepare that message, God spoke to my heart and said that a church may be getting along, but at the same time, it has to be unified. It has to be where everybody jumps in and sees the Word of God the way it is and operate according to that. But as you can tell, our church is struggling with that. And you know what? We just have to work with what we've got and keep pressing on. Does everybody understand? Because He's worthy. Psalm 1 verses 1 through 3 tells us that we need to stick to Scripture. In the midst of all of this murkiness that's going on, God makes it a very clear. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. What happens? And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Listen, God's got some blessings 
You know, I'm not talking about materialism or liberalism, but God's got some blessings for those who take this book and live it out. But how can we say that we're living it out if we're not living a unified life with other believers? When a church fails to walk in biblical unity, then there's some serious problems and it is on the decline one way or the other. Now, some of you may be wondering why I preach with a PowerPoint. The reason is, is years ago when my mother was still alive, she attended our church and she loved to take notes. Okay, she, she loved taking notes. But at the same time, as she loved taking notes and I'm preaching as she got older, it's a little harder for her to keep up. So I put them up on the screen and even though she's gone on to be with the Lord now, I just keep on doing this because guess what? We all a little bit slower than we used to be. Amen? All right, I just want to remind you about that, all right? Now the church in Corinth definitely had its problems. Actually, it had a lot of them and one of them was division. Let's look at verse 10 of chapter 1 this morning or this evening. Chapter 1 and verse 10 uh, through verse 15. It says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Paulus, and I am Cephas, and I am of, Paul, of Christ. Is Christ divided? Obvious answer is no. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, let any should say, lest any should say that I have baptized in mine own name. Then we come to our main text here in chapter 3. Look at verses 1 through 4 again. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able." You know, it's one thing to be accepting Christ and be mature, I mean, immature in the faith, be a babe in Christ. That's one thing. But it's a whole totally another thing when you stay that way. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I'm of Paula, and yet and another, I'm of Apollos, are ye not carnal? There's contention. There's division in the Corinthian church. And by the way, a lot of churches today. And can I just tell you something? I don't care if the carpet is red or blue. Now, if it gets purple polka dotted, we might have to have a little challenge there, okay? But let me just say to you today that God wants His people to be one. And we'll see more about that here. The church was immature and it's divided in many ways. And I want you to see that uh, these divisions, even these small divisions or what they call small divisions, are going to lead to further decisions. And guess what? Many times it's not absolutely necessary. I understand, just to make sure I cover all my bases, I realize that sometimes churches have elements where people go liberal. And I realize that sometimes after a while that things have to be taken care of and they may even have to be asked to leave or the other people who are doing the asking leave themselves. I understand all of that, okay? But that's, that's the exception. That's not the rule, okay? 
But when a church is not unified in its doctrine and worship and belief and so forth, it's in big trouble. And that's what we learn, at least one of the lessons we learn from the church at Corinth. Now, let me share with you some points that are very simple tonight. Number one, I want you to see the immaturity of these believers. They were spiritually immature. By the way, folks, when we get saved, we're all going to be immature. we got to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The Bible clearly says that. Right? But don't stay that way. Notice he says they're carnal. The word carnal means pertaining to the flesh. Uh, it's bodily, temporal, or by uh, implication, unregenerate. He calls them carnal four times in this passage of Scripture. Corinthian church was in big time trouble. By the way, well, why would anybody want to name their church Corinth church? First church ever pastor, remember? Why would you want to name your church that? But that's another sermon, right? But he calls them carnal. And Matthew Henry writes, I love this statement. He says, but it is to be lamented that many who should walk as Christians live and act too much like other men. Listen, folks, if we're going to call ourselves Christians, let's live like it. I'm not here to be mean to people. I'm not here to offend people, but I'm going to live my faith out in a way that's pleasing to Christ. And if it offends them, then it has to be so. There's no other way around it. Notice he refers to them not uh, as being spiritual. Uh, they're, not they're not acting regenerate. They're not acting religious. He even calls them babes in Christ. Again, a sign of spiritual immaturity. I like to think that I know more now about the Bible and the Christian walk than I did when I started off. But you know what? Never be satisfied. Keep on growing. Keep on learning. Keep on reading. Keep on studying. Because I guarantee you, this book, the Holy Bible, is a gold mine that never runs out. Can somebody understand? I want you to understand that we need to be careful not to fail to grow in the Lord. It's clear that the Paul, the apostle, is inspired to write that not growing in the Lord is a bad thing. He is writing to them, and there in this context is nothing good, nothing positive about this immaturity in their life. Because remember, when you've got immaturity in your Christian life, guess what happens? Problems. And it gets only worse the more you stay immature. Ephesians 4, verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, why? You may grow up in Him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. When I preach to people, I want to preach it in love. I want to preach it in compassion, but yet I still need to preach it in firmness because I want those people to know that I, they need to grow. They need to grasp a hold of it. Let it grasp a hold of them and walk on and grow and mature in this thing. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 2. Most of you under, remember this one. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. Thank God for the milk of His Word. But after a while, you got to have some steak or chicken or whatever the case may be. Everybody understand what I'm talking about. All right, notice what he says in 2 Peter 3, 18. But grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Hello? That's pretty simple, isn't it? I mean, it's maybe not always the most simple thing to do, but it's simple to figure out what it is and what we need to do. And this immaturity was choking the very life out of the church at Corinth. Number two, immaturity in the lives of believers will lead to division and other sins. 
I mean, you think about it. When you look at all the problems that your church has, the majority of them some way, somehow, is going to be linked to someone's immaturity. Everybody understand? I mean, they're immature. They, they, they've, they've gotten saved and uh, you know they may have gone to church somewhere else for years as a lost person, but now they come to your church and now all of a sudden in their immaturity, they're upset because you're doing different than they used to do in their other church. And then they'll split the church over it. They'll lead a charge against the pastor because he doesn't sing the third verse of the hymn like they used to in the more conventional church over they used to go to. Everybody understand what I'm talking about? By the way, buddy, it happens foolishly, things like that. But, uh, let me get back on there. He says, verse 3, For whereas there is among you envying, eager rivalry, jealousy, that's what it is. It's jealousy. If I don't get my way and they get their way, then I'm going to leave because I didn't get my way because I deserved my way. That's what they, these people think. But you know what? He also says there's strife, there's quarrels, there's debates, there's contention going on in the church. I think it's good to have good discussion, but this quarreling and backbiting and all that kind of stuff, no room for it. And divisions. And we're not talking about social distancing here. Everybody understand? It's a standing apart. Oh, I don't want them. And the reason this part gets to me so bad is that what you're looking at is somebody grew up who used to be a snotty-nosed bus kid from the other side of the tracks. Oh, we don't want those kind of people in our church. They don't have fancy clothes. They don't have fancy house. They don't have fancy cars. Nowadays, at my age, I'm just thankful I got a car that runs. Can somebody say Amen. You know, I think somewhere along the line, we got to look at where our priorities are at, and most of them got to change. He goes on, he says, Are ye not carnal and walk as men? In other words, you're walking like unregenerate people, you're walking like lost people. And so we see that there's an immaturity in the church, and this immaturity has caused something called divisions and other sins. Now, what do you mean, Brother Raymond? There's the sins of incest and adultery that was in the church. Again, that's for another sermon. Come back and I'll preach that one as well. And so now, all of a sudden, we see this immaturity. What did I say about it? It's going to lead to problems. What were those problems? One of them being divisions and the church was dying and it was in big time trouble. Thirdly, let me tell you how to solve all of this. The church is not to be divided in following man, but unified in its focus. What is the focus? The focus is the Lord. Notice verse 5. Verse 5 says, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? Even the very calling of Paul and Apollos came from the Lord. It's all banked on Jesus. Verse 6, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. I can preach, pray, and serve, but my friends, guess what? I've got to have the help of the Lord to see it flourish. Verse 7, So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Verse 9, For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. When it's all Boiled down to the bottom line, without him, we are in big time trouble. A lot of times people, just to be honest, have told me, why don't you just close up and merge with somebody else? Well, if I was trying to do it on my own, 
I would. But I'm glad the Lord is here to help me. I thank God for my wife. I thank God for my daughter. And they have been faithful and worked hard right alongside of me. Praise God. And I know you feel the same way about your family. But folks, we got to have the Lord. For without me, you can do nothing, he says. Notice what he says here in Ephesians 1.22. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. He is the head of the church. He's the one that calls the shot. You know what? If somebody you know, was driving and, and uh, they were driving recklessly and maybe a drunk driver and, and I'm driving and all of a sudden they cause a wreck and I lose my arm, I can still live. I lose my leg, I can still live. But I lose my head, I'm a goner. And the head of the church is Christ. And that's why the devil has sought with these false teachers to try to disrupt people's understanding of who Christ is and what He has done and what He's going to do. But again, another sermon. We should be unified not only in our focus, but in our service. Notice what the Bible says here in verses 6 and 9. I have planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Listen, folks. Hey, I got to serve. There's no room for being lazy. I remember Malbug, bless her heart, a godly woman in a church I pastored one time, and she was an elderly lady. And she told me, she said, Brother Raymond, I don't know why. I don't know why God just doesn't just go ahead and take me home. But you know what, Brother Mike? When I needed somebody that I knew could get a prayer through, I called her and said, hey, I need you to pray for me. Oh, Brother Raymond, that's not going to bring gobs of people in. You never know what God will do with just one person praying. Well, notice what verse 9 says. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. We need to be involved in this thing of serving God and growing in the faith. Again, without Him, we can't do nothing. Listen, not everybody's going to be a preacher. Not everybody's going to be a musician. Like I said, Susan plays the piano. I don't. Aren't you glad? Okay? But the fact is, we all have positions, we all have offices, we all have gifts in which God can use us in. And then we also have to be unified in reality. And that is the Lord is the one who gets the glory. Well, who's going to get credit for all of this? Jesus. Just in case you hadn't seen it when you walked in, there's a big sign back there. It says, Jesus is the answer. Do you know why? Because Jesus is the one who gets the credit. Jesus is the one who gets the glory. And it always has to be that way. I love what Paul said. What, how did he put it? For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now he said, Brother Raymond, why is all this so important? Do you know what the word conclusion means for a preacher in a sermon? Absolutely nothing. Okay? Hang in there. I'm almost finished. Some Christians live as spiritual hermits. Okay? And that's not a good thing. They never interact. They never reach out to win lost people. And that's not what God said separation is to be like. And again, that's a, a different sermon. But some immature Christians, maybe some people who even think they're Christians and not really are, live divisive life. Oh, I don't want to be this way. I don't want to be that way. They seem to thrive off of it. God does not want us divided, but walking in unity. Not just all together here on Sunday morning. Lord, we all, Lord knows we all want that. But we got to go a lot further than that. 
Does everybody understand? And we could do a whole study off of this. Listen to what Psalm 133 verse 1 says. Brethren, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. If it's good to dwell in unity, it's bad not to dwell in unity. People need to come to the Lord and walk with Him and live in unity with His people. If they would, riots would cease. Churches wouldn't split and homes wouldn't be busted up. But just in case we still hadn't got it, let's, let's see what Jesus prays in the garden the day before the cross. John 17, 11, And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to Thee, Holy Father, keep through Thine own name those whom Thou hast given Me, that they may be... What's the next word? One, as we are. So here's the points. The immaturity of these believers, that immaturity led to divisions and other sins, but the church is to not be divided but and following the man, but unified in its focus, which is the Lord, service, and reality. Here's some more questions. Are you saved? Are you sure? And are you serving in unity? But you know what? That unity has to go deeper than just the group that meet here. It needs to be in the homes, in the marriages that make up that local church. Does everybody understand? And let's just face it. Every marriage is under attack one way or the other. And every family is under attack one way or the other. And we must continuously stay together at the foot of the cross and in His Word by the power of the Holy Spirit of God that we may be a unified church, a unified family. And that's the way God would have it to be. Would anybody say amen to that? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I don't know what God is doing in your heart. I don't know what your church is experiencing where you are at or... I'm not even sure about everything here sometimes. But I do know this. God has one family. And we need to learn to walk together. Brother Mike, you and your family being here tonight has meant a lot to me. And it's a great thing because it's not just because we're friends and we are that but we're part of the same family, part of the same army. And you know what? The last time I checked, I've never been in the military, but the last time I checked, soldiers are supposed to look out for their, their fellow soldiers. And let's determine to be that kind of people to walk in unity. Not to be divided from what God has said in His Word, but to stick closely to it, not compromising. But you know what? The great thing about church is that even when the preacher is preaching on something that maybe you're not dealing with, whatever you are dealing with, God can still meet you. We're going to stand for a moment of invitation. And if God is speaking to your heart, won't you come? Let's all stand. We'll pray. And then we'll have the altar call. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the time to be in your word tonight with your precious people. And Lord, I pray that somehow that you'll take this message and drive it deep into all of our hearts. Help us to walk according to your word with no compromise, no divisions. Lord, not seeking glory, but that you may get the glory. And for all that's done, God will give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided
to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Thank you so much for tuning in today to the Bible Beacon Podcast and the message, A Unified Church. We trust that your church is experiencing unity, your community is experiencing unity, and that you have been brought into the family of God. I trust that you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. If you don't, would you please do us a favor and go to our website at www.gospellightfwbchurch.com. There on the introductory videos, go to video number two, The Plan of Salvation, and uh, you'll see the plan of salvation and what Scripture says, uh, how you can be saved. I trust that you'll do just that. If you are a Christian, please send us in your prayer request and also some ideas for a future podcast. Again, thank you for tuning in. This is Pastor Raymond Rivers signing off, and we'll see you next time.